Hello, and welcome to the Three Timbers podcast series, Life Interrupted. Today we are joined by Jeff Ryan and Joe Slaybaugh. Hey, welcome everybody to the Three Timbers Life Interrupted podcast. Joe, can you believe that we have evolved to a podcast at this point? We've been around for five years as a church. We've been doing these things for five months, and I never thought we'd get to the day where we'd be doing an actual official podcast and expecting people to listen to it. Um, it's a big ask. I was going to say, do we think anybody's listening <laughs> at this know. point? I, I don't know. Be, we might be just talking to ourselves. We might be. Maybe this our wives. A, it's a therapy session yes. that we're getting for free. Yeah. That's basically what this is going to be This like. is going to be very exciting. Very More for exciting. us than for anybody else. So we're glad that you're with us. We hope that someone is with us. Uh, but uh, we're from Three Timbers Church, and we're excited just to kind of have an opportunity, wherever you may be, uh, whether you're working out, walking the dog, driving your car, just as an opportunity to kind of focus on God and, and, and recognize, you know what, all of our lives get interrupted. We've been interrupted by the pandemic. We get interrupted by all kinds of things. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. And if you've been with us, we've been doing this via video for the last uh, five months or so, yeah. but kind of felt like it was time um, to transition. And so we're going to just kind of do that. And, you know, today we kind of thought we'd kick our first episode off and obviously, this will be archived, and we look back years from now when we've gone national. Uh, we'll look syndication. back. Syndication. Syndication. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the word we're looking at here. Uh, when we go back, we thought it'd be important to say, well, how did we get here? How did, how did Joe, how did I, um, by the way, he's Joe Slaybaugh, I'm Jeff Ryan. How did we get to the point of being followers of Jesus? How did we get to the point of being in ministry? And, and how did we get to Three Timbers? So we thought that'd be a, a great start. So, uh, Joe, I'm going to start with you. Like, I've had the privilege to know your story, but I'll, maybe other people don't. Like, how did you come to know Jesus? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a loaded question. There's a lot of time in there. Um, I want to share, I guess, three major milestones in my life of coming to know Jesus. Um, and they really were interruptions each way because I thought I was doing one thing and then God gets a hold of you and it's that 180 degree turn, um, and your life truly does get interrupted every single time. But growing up in the church, I always knew about religion. I always knew about God. My family was very good about showing up to church on Sunday mornings. Um, ever since I could remember, I remember going to church on Sunday, um, Sunday school and the whole gambit. Um, so for me, as a little kid, God was just a part of my life. It was something that I did. And church was something I was a part of. I didn't know anything different. Um, and I thought that was enough. I really did. I thought that was fine. I thought to be a, a good church kid and to show up on Sundays and to be, you know, respectful as a little kid, that was what you were supposed to do. And um, all of a sudden, you know, things change as you get a little bit older and you realize that maybe this God that you know about is someone that you don't actually know personally. Sure, I like sure. to explain it kind of like, you know, Michael Jordan or LeBron James, um, any famous singer or celebrity, you know, we can know a lot about these people, sure. but we don't know them. 
Like, if I tried to share with you statistics about my favorite players in sports or anecdotes about my favorite actors, I could totally do that. But I have sure. no idea what their favorite foods are, what they like to do on the weekend, where they like to vacation. Well, by the way, who is your favorite actor? My, I don't have a favorite actor. You don't have a favorite one. I have a lot of people I respect. All right, who do you respect? I mean, I think Matthew McConaughey has been really impressive lately. All right, uh, all Leonardo right, Leonardo DiCaprio right. has been doing pretty amazing work. Tom Hardy. You know, people okay. don't talk enough about Tom Hardy. Sure, sure. There's a movie. Clearly, we're talking too much about Tom Hardy right here. Yeah, Because I'm already off my topic. The tangent yeah. has shifted away. Yeah. But if we talk about people that we enjoy as entertainers, celebrities, politicians, whatever, we talk about them, but we don't know them. Sure. And as a kid, that's what I felt like God was to me. I knew a lot about him. I read the Bible. I heard Bible stories as a little itty-bitty guy growing all the way up. And when I was 13 years old, I was confronted with the fact that I knew about God, but I didn't know God. And for me, the life interruption, the event that really took over my life and changed everything was 9-11 in 2001. Yeah. Um, for someone that grew up in a safe part of town, didn't really have any struggles growing up. You know, my mom and dad were together. They were good parents. My brothers were horrible to me, but they seemed like normal people to everybody else. So they, were, they were horrible to you. Horrible to me. Horrible to you. Now, they're going to listen to this, and are they going to take issue with it, with that? No, they know what they did. <laughs> they know what they're, they did. They're fully aware that they, okay. were, they were terrible children. Charges uh, pending, but that's yeah, fine. Well, you know, exactly. you can't charge a minor. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, restraining orders in place. I yeah, got it. Yeah, the amount of assault and batteries yeah. in my household sure, growing sure. up. So I, if you don't know me too well, I'm one of four boys. No girls. Uh, we all survived our childhood. Um, only, you know, a dozen broken bones. Uh, there was a cutoff finger, but it's fine. Wow. It got wow. so back on, you know, it's amazing. Modern wow. medicine, what are you going to do? Wow, okay. But growing up in this kind of family and, you know, living a pretty sheltered life, I always felt kind of like um, the world was a safe place. And I felt like my country was a safe place. And then 9-11 happened, and it hit me like a two-by-four. I, I still remember the day that it took place. I was in junior high, um, just a young kid not fully understanding what was going on, but I saw these buildings falling down in New mm. York City, and I saw the reports on the news. I was seeing live accounts, live video as it was going on. I'm sure you remember it too. Yeah. Um, and all, it hit me that the world I was living in was not nearly as safe as I thought it was. And the follow-up question to that was, what is safe? Is my house safe? Is it safe to be with my parents? Are they always going to be able to protect me? And what I kept coming back to was I don't feel nearly as safe as I did. Um, and it made me question a lot of stuff in my 13-year-old brain. It also made me question, you know, am I safe eternally? I know a lot about God, yeah. which is good, but does that really matter at all? And it was just a week later after 9-11 took place, and I was going to a, a Christian school. It was a junior high and um, we did chapels every week, so little church services, worship services in the middle of the school day. Um, and the following week, the uh, youth pastor of a local church was speaking at our chapel service, our worship service. And he had just the most incredible message. It was tailor-made for me because the message was about knowing a secure God in an insecure world. 
And for a 13-year-old boy who had just been dealing with the insecurities of the world head-on, realizing that his safe world was shattered and that there really was no true safety in the world that we live in, um, hearing his message, it got me. And it made me realize that I had grown up in you know 13 short years knowing about God, sure, but never knowing God. So in that moment, Obviously, you know, we all remember or many of us remember what 9-11 was like. And you're exactly right. It was nothing was safe and you didn't feel anything was secure. And so as a 13 year old, you know, you're living in this insecure world um, and then you um, find the security. How did that security in God change you? Because, I mean, there's a lot of people right now that feel like the world is insecure. We, we have a pandemic that is going on. We are kind of dealing with, you know, social injustice, you know, that we are, we, we are, we are finally confronting. How, how did that security kind of help you? Sure. Um, and that's, that's a really good point. I think for a lot of people, when they come to God, what they're looking for is fire insurance. And that's kind of a churchy term. But basically what that means is a lot of people who come to church, they're looking for some sort of insurance that they're not going to hell. They feel like they're, they're in trouble. And they feel like they need to get some sort of eternal security, and they're looking for that fire insurance, and they're looking for a safe place to go when eternity comes knocking. Um, and for me, I feel like when I came to know God and when I got to know him personally, and I just didn't know about him anymore, I realized Knowing God is not safe. God is not safe, but he is good. And there's such a difference between being a part of a relationship and being a part of a, a belief and having an eternal God that is directing your steps and realizing that it's not going to be the safe bet. It's not the safe path to take. Being a Christian is not safe no. by any means of the word. Um, you are committing your life and giving over the direction of your life to a God who is going to move you in directions that you're not going to be comfortable with. So how did understanding that you've got security in God, how did you see that play out maybe as you've gotten older where, you know, before you were kind of living in this insecure world, you found that, you know, there's security in a God who loves you, a God who will never leave you, that if everything else around you is changing, you know, God isn't. Can you think of a time where having that security in God helped you through a situation? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, going back to the idea that God isn't a safe God, but he is a good God. And what I believe that means is that God is going to take you into difficult situations, sometimes even on purpose, to help others see your faith, to test your faith, to help you grow in your faith. He's going to do that to you. And um, for me, even coming to this church was a step of faith. Uh, jumping into the college that I went to was a step of faith because I went to a, a Christian university to get a degree focused on ministry, um, to step out and to do a couple of the different things professionally that I did before I got to Three Timbers. That was God telling me to do something that I wasn't comfortable with, I wasn't safe with, but I knew I would be safe with him. And when you go into storms and when God says you're going to go into this difficult circumstance or this season's life is going to be stormy for you, I want to reassure you that I'll be with you. And that's the difference. Having a secure God in an insecure world means you are going to go through that same stormy world, that same difficult world, but you have the assurance of knowing there is a good God holding you in the midst of the storms. An example for me when I was in college, for example, 
Um, I, I was having a really difficult time my sophomore year in college. I lost a lot of friends from my freshman year because our, our friends group kind of split up. Um, some people transferred out and went to other schools and our, our group of friends from freshman year dissipated and I found myself as a sophomore uh, a little bit lonely in my school and I was struggling to fit in with the new crop of students that was coming in. I went to a small Christian university so usually what that means is you, you develop your cliques of friends quickly and it's hard to get to know new people because there's just not a whole lot of new people to meet. So as a sophomore, I felt like I kind of missed my opportunity because I had made my group of friends my freshman year and they were gone. And I started thinking I need to leave the school and I should transfer out. I should go to a bigger college. I didn't really feel confident that I was supposed to go into ministry. I felt like that was a, a cool desire um, it was an interest, but my sophomore year, as I was feeling more isolated and alone, I was like, if I can't even get people that are on the same wavelength as I am, have the same belief as I do, if I can't get them to be my friend, what, what am I doing trying to go to a church? Why would I want to do that and try to intentionally pursue people to build relationships professionally? I didn't think I had it in me to do it. And I started looking around to transfer to other schools, um, but I remember very, very clearly God telling me in my dorm room, God telling me in our church services, and God telling me in the classrooms, you got to stay here. And uh, it, was, it was a tough year. It didn't get better. Sure. Um, it was a hard year. The whole year was hard. I went to counseling. Uh, my school offered free counseling. I really recommend going to therapy for anybody is a huge thing. I think it's a great choice, but it didn't become easier for me over that year. But at the same time, I knew that I could trust the good God that was in me telling me to stick it out. Yeah, and I'm so you, grateful for it. You had security in him. Yeah. You know, security in his word, security in his leading, security in his touching, even though things obviously were changing around you, friends transitioning in and out of your life and, and things like that. And that's important. It's important that we know that in an insecure world, we have a secure God who loves us. Well, that's, that's awesome. I appreciate, yeah. you, appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah, it gives you the confidence to jump into life with everything and that goes along with John 10 10 to experience life to the fullest to experience everything in life the abundance of life if we can trust God to have our back as we go through life it gives us the confidence to jump in with both feet yeah and that that really makes all the difference in the world yeah yeah absolutely you know and I know for me you know I grew up um, I grew up Catholic and you know I went to church and even when I went to college uh, my goal was always to make sure I was in church 52 times a year, you know, because then I knew I was right with God if I was there. And there were some Sundays I didn't go. So that meant other times I'd go three masses um, on a Sunday just to make sure at the end of the year I could say, God, 52, we're square, right? So you, you can't zap me now. And um, so then I remember uh, leaving um, God's favorite city, Philadelphia, and coming to Orlando and, 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 and trying to find so where it. in the Bible does it say God's favorite city is Philadelphia? That, that's in the book of Jason. I, I didn't it, catch that. Yeah, you missed that. Yeah, okay. it's in the book of Jason. The 67th. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very yes, important. Yes. But Philadelphia is the greatest city. Jeff Ryan edition. <laughs> Jeff Ryan edition. <laughs> um, and so I went and, and went to find a Catholic church, and I know this will be uh, very shallow, but I will admit it. Um, there was not a girl within 30 years of me. And I'm like, this is not going to work. You know, I was in my early 20s. I went to church for the wrong reasons, and I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. And by God's grace in his, uh, in his hand, uh, I met a guy 
young guy about my age, and he said, hey, we're having a men's Bible study. Do you want to come? I had nothing else to do. I said, fine, I'll go. And, uh, you know, I had this perception of kind of professional Christians that these guys had it all together, and they didn't. They were a wreck just like I was, and they were struggling with the same things that I was. And it kind of helped me say, it's not about being perfect to be a follower of Jesus, because I'm not perfect. I wasn't perfect then. I'm not perfect now. And so I remember my, after going for a couple of weeks, you know, the guy said, you should come to church with us. And I'm like, well, where do you go to church? And they go, oh, we go to this Presbyterian church. And I'm like, I, I don't think I'm allowed to go. I'm Catholic. And I remember calling my mom saying, hey, I got invited to a Presbyterian church, but I can't go, right? And she's like, it's not the mob. You're, you're allowed to go. Like, we'll let you go. <laughs> the Pope's not going to come after Pope, you. Pope's not coming to get me. And I remember went, I'm like, they opened their Bibles and the, the pastor got up and he talked about real life. And I was just, I was amazed by this. I had never experienced actually opening the Bible and, and hearing him talk about what God says and, you know, all these things. So then I started going to an adult Sunday school class and really starting to try to understand some things. I mean, like, well, what does it really mean? As you talked about, well, who is God? I've heard about God, mm. but I don't know God. And what is the difference? And so, you know, through kind of being a part of this men's group and, some Sunday school classes. I remember I went to a Promise Keepers event in um, Tampa, Florida at the Tropicana Dome, which unfortunately is still there. It is by far the worst sports stadium on the planet. And uh, so a group of us went, and we were literally almost in the very last row in the upper bowl. And they had this moment of when they called you down if you truly wanted to commit your life to Christ. And, and I, and I tell you, as clear as I see you here today, I felt a hand in the back of my, on my back, but there wasn't mm. anybody there. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not going down. And this hand just kept time to go. Wow. And it seemed like the walk down was forever. Mm -hmm. you know. And in a stadium of 50,000 people, it was dead silent to me. And I remember walking out onto that field and you know, bowing my head and, and praying that prayer to, to truly accept Jesus into my heart. And... And opening my eyes and to see 50,000 men cheering for me. And I, I had not done anything athletically, even though I stood on a baseball field, you know, to think that they were excited for me because I just, you know, gave my heart and gave my life to Jesus. Mm. And, you know, it was just crazy to think about that because, you know, I was raised, I was very religious. I was about routine. Uh, I was about being moral, however I define moral. In some ways, I was moral biblically, but in some ways, I was moral socially, and those are two very different things in God's eyes, and it was just this amazing time of, of then from going to attending a Sunday school class to being asked to try teach, so there were two other guys, and the three of us taught it, and, and as you know, that you learn more by teaching, Sure. Yeah. and so having to prepare lessons every week uh, made such a huge uh, difference. Yeah. Uh, and then God opened up um, other ministry doors uh, for me to kind of, again, kind of grow and kind of learn. Um, and, and so it was just this amazing time. But, you know, I think when I stood there in front of those men um, and gave my life to Christ, and when I made that down, I realized that, you know, I am nothing without God. And as much as I'd like to think I was or I could have been, I realized that I'm, I'm, I'm a mist. I'm, I'm nothing. And, and I never felt more powerful than when I was more weak. You know, when I finally owned that, you know what, I, am, I can't do this life thing on my own. I can't figure things out. When I said, God, I need you, changed everything. 
Mm. Changed absolutely everything. Mm. Mm, that's good. Paul talks about boasting in his weakness. Uh, it sounds like when you realize that your human abilities were nothing compared to God, that was freeing for you. Yeah, I mean, I will boast in my weakness. I've got a lot. You've seen a lot of them. You've experienced a lot of my weaknesses. Um, I, I think it's it's coming to that moment where you realize I'm a mess. I'm a sinful person. Um, I don't know everything, and I need God. I need God to guide me, to provide me, to protect me. Um, I think it's in those moments when you can really own that that you are free because you're you're you stop trying to be good enough because okay. that's it's a dog chasing its tail. It's never going to happen. You're never going to be good enough. You could always be just a little bit better. But when you kind of find that identity in God, that identity in Christ, man, it just it it changes everything about you. Yeah. No, that's good. I think a lot of people really struggle in the American culture <clears throat> to accept weakness as part of the Christian life because we're taught as Americans and really, you know, anybody around the world at this point, every single one of us is taught to grow and succeed through your strengths. Yeah. And to emphasize your strengths, to be a strong leader, influencer, um, to continue to expand your sphere of influence. And in the Christian faith, understanding theologically what it means to be weak is admitting your, your limitations yeah. and saying, I can't do this. Jesus has got to do this with me. Um, that seems to be a turnoff for a lot of people yeah. because they just don't quite get that in order to truly be free, like what you said, you've got to admit that you can't do this yourself. No. Have you ever had an experience where you explained to somebody the difference between the strength of a person and how limiting that can be because all you have is the capability of your own strength versus the freedom of admitting your weakness in Christ? No. Next question. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, you know, many times, you know, I, I think, um, you know, obviously talking to my kids a lot, um, about all of my failures and, and, and all of the weaknesses that I had. Um, you know, even when, when, you know, we came for adoption, obviously we've been a part of adoption. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't do that on our own. You know, we said, Lord, we can't get through this emotionally. We can't get through this um, financially. We can't get through this in any way. And we had to own the fact that if this was going to happen, it was going to be a God thing mm. because we didn't have the means or the resources to do it. And that was hard because, you know, you want to pridefully say, we'll find a way, we'll pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and we didn't. And, you know, we, we thought God called us to this, but it just wasn't happening. And, um, and then God came in, and God provided in a way we never thought possible. And, you know, it shows that God did it. Mm. You know, God was the one who did it. Just like, you know, with our, with our daughter, Selah, who we did have naturally, uh, we were told we couldn't have kids. I mean, the doctor looked right at us and said, I'm sorry, it's not in the cards for you guys. And, you know, we couldn't, we, how do you process that? And yet God, God provided in a way that we didn't have the strength, and God got us through that. And uh, so we've been blessed to experience both, but it's knowing that ultimately God's in control, and, and, and that changes. And, you know, our life was interrupted. Obviously, both of us, our lives were interrupted. We weren't necessarily looking to not follow Christ, but we weren't looking to follow Christ. And that God kind of interrupted through 9-11 and God kind of interrupted through, you know, uh, different guys in my life. But the, the transition that I want to make is how did you then know that God was calling you to, to vocational ministry? Because 
you know, people always say, well, how do you know that God wants me to be in ministry for my, for my vocation? Because uh, it's great that you went to the college that you went to, but how did you know? What, how did God speak to you in that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I think vocational ministry, if you're going to use that word, is all, it's just an emphasis on the ministry that all of us should be doing. Um, and all of us are called to do. We're all called to be witnesses and expand the gospel. And for me, when I was in high school, I was a part of my youth group and um, was really active in my church at that time. Um, had been a Christian at that point for a couple of years and was trying to kind of, you know, really get some roots in my faith and grow deeper a little bit. And I had a really good youth group and I had a really great experience during that season. And, one of the things that we would always do in that youth ministry was go on trips and retreats and, you know, camps like we uh, do in our church and most churches usually do. And there was one summer trip that we took to Colorado when I was, I think, a junior. And um, I remember being on the trip and I was all excited because I knew all the kids that were in my youth group. I'd been growing up with them. We've been part of the same youth group now since middle school. So I was all excited about it, and we were getting ready to get on the bus to head out to Colorado. And um, that day, in that morning, as we were getting ready to load up the bus, this random kid shows up that none of us had ever seen before. And his name was Blake, and he didn't know any of us, and we didn't know him. What we found out when on the drive out, really awkward to put a teenager who doesn't know anybody in a bus for eight hours with everybody else who knows each other. But we figured out on the ride out, his parents had signed him up for the trip, and basically forced him to go, oh. which is not a great situation to Typically put a teenager in. that doesn't yeah, work well. Yeah, not great, but it is what it is, and Blake was, he was fine. He was pretty quiet um, for obvious reasons. We get through the week, and we're doing all these different activities, and we're having a lot of fun out in Colorado, and, you know, you get to that big night at the end of the week. Um, like every camp does, like every Promise Keepers event does, sure. you get to the big night. There's a big bonfire going on, and... We're, we're singing some songs, praise and worship, and um, I, I feel like God is telling me to go talk to this Blake guy. And um, I really had never felt like that before. I never felt like God was giving me a nudge to go talk to somebody, um, especially about where they're at spiritually. And being 17, um, not having any experience in doing this before, it really scared me yeah. half to death. But I was like, okay, fine, well, I'll go talk to Blake. And I walked across the amphitheater because we were outdoors and uh, said, Blake, I'm so glad you came on this trip. My name is Joe. I know we've talked a couple of times real briefly during this trip. I just want to ask you, where, how are you doing with Jesus after this week? <laughs> and Blake looks at me and he goes, good. Nice. And that was it. That was it? <laughs> that was it. And I'm like, good. I am never doing this again. Wow. God called the wrong number. That was the most embarrassing thing that could good. ever happen to me. Uh, I was like, okay, fine. So I walked across back to the other side and kind of sat down. You were batting a thousand at that point. Completely defeated. I mean, like, like, but, but you're batting a thousand. He was just good. feeling like an absolute idiot. That's what it was. Um, but don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor because after the night was over, um, people were headed back to their cabins. And I was getting my stuff. Um, Blake comes over. And he's like, you know, I, I thought about what you said. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit more. And we ended up having this conversation under the stars in the mountains in Colorado. I mean, does it get any more inspiring than that? And Blake gives his life to Jesus um, in that night. 
and I had the opportunity to introduce him to Jesus. And I felt in that moment, that night, and it wasn't the nudge from earlier in the evening, a couple hours beforehand, and it wasn't the embarrassment of going and asking somebody about their eternal relationship with a God and then just shutting me down completely, but it was the patience that God made me wait for, and then he opening my eyes to the bigger picture around me. And in that night, I just told God, after we went home, after Blake went to bed, I remember sitting outside of my cabin there in Colorado and just telling God, I I'm going to do this for the rest of my life because this has been the most incredible experience that you invited me into. I don't care if I get paid for it or not, but I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity. And that is really kind of what got me going into ministry. Um, but it wasn't because I was getting paid for it. So what, what I'm hearing from you is you don't want to be paid anymore? Is that, that's, is that what I'm hearing? That's inaccurate. Okay, cause I thought, I, because I thought that's what I heard. All right. You know, give a man the wages that he earns. A man is worth okay. his wages that he earns. Oh, okay. I, I, I think I, that's also important to note. You know, um, there's, there's a balance here, and there's also a mortgage in my life now that I didn't have at 17. Okay. So, you know, little Your parents like weren't that. asking you to pay towards the mortgage? No, they, they, they didn't ask me for that, and the insurance company wasn't coming to my okay. door. So okay. things have changed a little bit. A little I'm very bit. thankful for my paycheck, but... Uh, I guess the point I would try to make beyond that would be whether you're in vocational ministry or not, if you're a salesman or a nurse or whatever, all of us are called to minister to our neighbors. And all of us are ministers in that sense. Um, and we always have opportunities. Just like I had an opportunity with Blake, you've had opportunities with men and women, I've had opportunities since. If we keep our eyes open, then we will be invited into those life-changing events, those life-interrupting events. And that, for me, is the greatest reward that you can have as someone who gets the opportunity to live here. And, and you're so right. We are, we are all called to be uh, ministers. Um, and obviously, you do a fantastic job, and we're very grateful um, for you. Um, you know, but everybody's got a different path, you know, to vocational ministry. And... Um, you know, I know for me, you know, I was working what I thought was the best job. It was a dream job. I was working in pro sports, loved it, you know, grew up my whole life loving sports and was working. And I was fortunate. I had a, a best friend. Her name was Wendy and just an amazing gal. Um, you know, we just we did everything together. She was a terrific athlete and uh, spent time at her house. She spent time at mine. And um, she was the, the, the kind of friend that uh, on the rare occasion that I had a date when I was younger. And I would go over and say, okay, this is what I'm wearing. What do you think? And she would say, well, you clearly don't want a second date because that's wow. a terrible outfit. Um, so she was a great gal. That must have happened more than once. A couple times. The way you tell the story, it sounds like this is a trend. <laughs> I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get work through that pain. Let's try not to bring that back up. But, um, and so, you know, uh, Christy and I got married and, you know, I was at, uh, we were at Wendy's wedding and it was wonderful. She married a wonderful man and she was at our wedding. Just wonderful. And I remember... They came down and spent some time with us. And then after they had left, this is when we lived in Orlando, she called me and she said, hey, um, I'm in the hospital. Hmm. I'm like, what, you know, what are you talking about? And she's like, I, you know, they, they found something small with my heart, but I'm fine. And she says, I just can't tell you how much I love Christy. And just goes on and on like it was no big deal. And I'm like, well, you know, hey, we want to make sure you're okay. And, and then probably three days later, I got a call from her husband and he said she's gone. Oh, wow. Uh, she's 28. Hmm. And he's just, he's crying. He's, Jeff, she's gone. What do I do? And the words that came from my mouth were just pray. 
and I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what I said. That was the Holy Spirit. And I remember, and I still get emotional today, um, getting on a plane with Christy to go up because her husband asked if I would speak at the funeral. I wasn't a pastor. I was not thinking to be a pastor. And I remember just boo-hoo crying, that kind of you can't stop crying, crying on the plane. And, and I just said, God, lead me to what you want me to say. And he led me uh, to this verse in Isaiah 41.10. It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's Isaiah 41.10. And so that's what I kind of went up. And I remember kind of walking up to the front of the church where the funeral was and past Wendy's casket, and she was a teacher. Uh, and I remember standing in front of that congregation, and it was silent to me. I couldn't tell you what I said. To this day, I couldn't tell you what I said. And um, it was emotional, but, you know, I kind of expanded on this text. And I remember at the reception, uh, people who I didn't know came up to me, and they said, what's the name of the church that, that you're pastoring yeah. at? And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, well you're a pastor, right? And I'm like, no. And uh, they said, well, you should. I'm like, nope, that's, that's, that's not me. And so I did my Jonah impression, and I thought I could outrun God. And um, it was my wife who said, you know, I, months later, I think God wants you to be a pastor. And I'm like, you know, you read that one wrong. I, there's no way that God would want a guy like me because I know me. I know me to be a pastor. Yeah. And God then uh, closed some doors to basically say, you have no other option now because I'm that stubborn. That God said, I will take all of this away, so you have to go through the ministry door. And so I went to seminary and, um, you know, began that journey. And, you know, God provided through that journey. And, you know, I have never been, been happier. I love what God has called me to. And like you, it's great that, that, that God has blessed us with a paycheck. But even if I wasn't getting paid, I'd be doing the same thing as you are. Because you just desperately want people to know the love of Jesus, the hope of Jesus. And so... I agree with you 100%. God calls us all into ministry. You and I are fortunate enough that it can be vocational, um, but we're all called. But God, God interrupted my life with my best friend dying for me to kind of say, okay, what does this mean, God, uh, for my life? So, you know, he, he, he interrupts us sometimes through really hard circumstances yeah. and uses that, that pain in a way to kind of readjust us, recalculate us, repurpose us for our life. And that's, that's what he did with me. And, and again, I've, um, I've never been been more um, appreciative that I get to do this for him. Mm. Oh, that's great stuff. When did you learn that a life interruption from God can be a truly great thing? You know, I think it's, you know, when you step back um, from the nose, you know, when you, when you apply for jobs. Um, you know, I mean, there were a lot of jobs that I really wanted to, to, to get. Um, when I was working in pro sports, I started as an intern. And um, I interviewed for uh, being the receptionist, you know, the person who answers the phone and transfers the calls, and I didn't get that. Uh, and then I interviewed for being the mailroom guy, and all I had to do was lift boxes and take stuff, to, and I didn't get that, which I couldn't understand how I couldn't get either because I had done them uh, filling in as, in as an intern. But I realized that God interrupts our life by saying no sometimes because he has something better, mm. you know, that he has got a different road for you to go down. And so... I think I learned that um, life interruptions are good things when I step back and said, God is going to be a whole lot smarter in planning my life than I am. Yeah. And when I started to say, Lord, your plan, your will, your way, 
um, you know, it led to, you know, a vocational ministry. It led to um, meeting my wife. It led to uh, being a part of Three Timbers. You know, it's when relinquishing that perceived control that you think you have yeah. um, and allowing those interruptions to say, all right, God, what are you speaking to me now? And what am I supposed to learn? Instead of trying to fight the interruption or change the interruption, it's saying, Lord, what are you trying to teach me now? Um, and, and that was, that would help me. How about you? When did you, that. when yeah, did you so learn good. that? Well, uh, I'm just still thinking off of what you said, because that really is what it's all about. It's not about asking God to change the circumstance. It's about asking God to change our mentality. And when we truly get to know him and we try, we start to accept the interruptions that he th throws our way. What happens to us is that we change. The circumstances don't change, but we change. Um, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We start changing, and we start anticipating the bigger picture plan that God's got going on in life beyond our circumstance. Because um, the fact of the matter is we can't control our circumstances. No. We really can't. All we can do is control how we respond to it. But don't we try so much not only to control but to change our circumstances? Like, how much energy do we spend trying to say, oh, I got to change this or, or, or I'm going to fight this? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we spend a lot of time, a lot of wasted time yes. trying to fight what God has already planned out. Yep. Um, and you can't win. Like, you can't fight God and win. He's going to get his way. He's undefeated. That's, that's exactly right. He has a perfect record. Um, very, very true. That's one thing I'm so excited about with this podcast series that we're jumping into and especially as we start out by taking a look at the life of Joseph yeah um, talk about a life that was lived outside of his control yeah uh, every single circumstance in Joseph's life was beyond his control he was um, a slave he was a servant he was a hated brother um, so many examples in his life falsely of, accused yeah falsely accused um, imprisoned under false pretenses uh, so many things in his life happened, and they were circumstances outside of his control, and yet we see this mentality of a man who truly trusts a God that he knows and doesn't know about, but he truly knows. Um, and that's why I just love doing podcasts like these, conversations like these, learning from one another, having discussions, because we really do need to learn how to learn from the interruptions in life. Yeah, and, and I think Joseph is, is a great uh, person to look at because you talk about having to find security in an insecure world. Um, he went through that. You talk about having tragic situations, relationships uh, damaged, uh, you know, being thrown in a pit. I mean, all of the things to be falsely accused of things. Yet, God, what are you trying to teach me? And, and the way, the grace and the forgiveness um, that he exhibited, exhibited in his life. And so I think that it's, you know, we're going to have interruptions. That yeah. doesn't go away just because you're a Christian or just because you're married or single or have kids or have a good job or whatever you want to think will take you. We're always going to have our life interrupted as we are interrupted right now in the pandemic, as we are interrupted in a lot of things. It's, God, what are you trying to teach me? How can I find security in God? I think we're going to be able to dig in as we move forward in these, these next few episodes of really looking at Joseph's life. And, and seeing how his life was, was interrupted, yeah. but yet how God used it. No, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Well, good stuff. I'll tell you what, feels like we're coming in for a landing. Yeah, I think we're bringing it in for a landing. And, you know, this was our, 
our, our first kind of step into this. Uh, we want to just to kind of share our story a little bit uh, so that you kind of know that, you know what, our lives have been interrupted, and we do this podcast not because we've got it figured it out, but because we know Jesus is the answer. Yeah. And so we want to encourage you to, to kind of tune back into our next episode as we're going to start to really unpack the life of Joseph will continue to share things from our life, uh, what God is doing in our lives and the life of Three Timbers Church. And, and also life interruptions that are going on around our community, our city. Yep. It's all life interrupted. Whatever falls under life and gets interrupted, we feel like that's in our purview. We get we get claim to that because that's the name of our series. We've got a broad, yes. broad we, we runway here. A, we picked a very broad topic so that way we don't run out of things to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we're we not that dumb. We, we knew let's stay broad. <laughs> well, we're not that interesting. We need well, a lot true. of things to discuss. That's that true. That is problem. very true. So <laughs> we're thankful for at least our, our wives listening uh, to this, we hope, um, and maybe our parents. Uh, we hope others. We hope that you're blessed. If you need any information about any of our ministries, please go to 3timbers.org. Uh, we've got other ministries that we do throughout the month. The first Tuesday of every, every month is called Tuesday Night together that's a facebook live where we pray and we praise god we've got live music scripture reading prayer so i want to encourage you the first tuesday of every month uh join us for worship uh sunday mornings yeah. at the stumble in uh downtown bennington we'll be in the in the bar of the upper room it's going to be great at 10 a.m so i want to encourage you to do that but please check our website follow us on social media keep in touch with all the latest updates so any, any concluding words from you, Joe? Uh, thanks so much for joining us, guys. I really appreciate you. If you did actually listen to the whole thing, then you are hearing me thank you. If you didn't, I guess not. But we really appreciate you sticking it out with us here on the first episode. Uh, we hope you guys continue to stay with us and help us learn, as we all do this together, help us learn to embrace the life interruptions that we all go through. Well said. Thanks for joining us. Be blessed, and we can't wait to connect with you soon. Bye-bye.